Welcome to the pod, everyone. Really special episode this week. But before we get into it, quick spoiler alert for the next six minutes, we're going to be talking about the Jordan Peele movie, Nope. As you know, we like to talk about movies and TV at the start, uh, but this one contains spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, or also just like don't care about that movie and don't want to hear our banter, skip ahead six minutes. So Rob, what were your thoughts? I really liked it. Oh, I- really? Yeah, I did. I people it's I mean it's been divisive amongst my group of friends. I mean there like mm-hmm. the the complaints I got were like oh the beginning like it was too slow or I was boring or just like I felt like it dragged up and like I didn't think it felt too slow. Like I thought the pacing was good. I liked the weird take on on what the monster was. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. What did you I mean okay. you didn't like it? Can I say this? I thought it was going to turn out to be a cowboy hat. <laughs> because the way it was shaped like looking at it from above i was like is this like some gonna be a weird like there's a big cowboy hat thing but mm -hmm. i enjoy the movie worse now knowing that that was a possibility (laughs) that's what it could have been you know i think it's too artsy for me i like straightforward fun turn my brain off stuff but i do understand like why it's a good movie but is it a good movie for me no mm. but did i dislike it no like i thought it was fine and i get it like even the, they like shot it in like i don't know film like that but you know like the screen was smaller and it was all about film and like that too and black cowboys like <laughs> love that for them that's amazing you know what i mean robbie what did you think i guess two things i number one i definitely would have liked it more if i didn't know that it was a jordan peele movie because like us and get out were just such amazing movies that like it just didn't quite hit the same way but also like it you know it was like a it was a love letter to these like big summer blockbusters like jaws and king kong which like Mm -hmm. i'll be straight up like i don't I mean, yeah, I think Jaws is a fun movie, but I'm not like one of those like, oh my God, Jaws is the best movie ever made type of people. So I guess it's a love letter to something that I'm not as passionate about. So I guess it was like, it was fun, but I don't know. I just feel like it kind of fell a little flat for me. Okay, Rob, what what do you think? I mean, we need to get your opinion now. Which category are you in? <laughs> You're I mean, torn. I, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know because I really I watched it and I was like oh I liked everything about that and then my group texts were like man I don't know how I feel and then I was like so I not know how I feel like, no okay if you liked it you should like it yeah yeah I guess I'm I'm just easily swayed by what other people think I should be doing. but I don't know yeah, I'll say this the the one thing I could have done without is the entire like like chimpanzee the mauling chimp thing. Oh everyone and it's like you I know what? I was mm-hmm. very perplexed every time that came into mm-hmm. play uh I, yeah, I was not about that. And that was my favorite <laughs> part of the movie. Was it really? Yes, because it was like, it was dark. It was on the nose. Ugh. It was very like, like, yeah, you know. like dark, sad things, which it's like, read the news. Like, I'm not here for that. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> oh, but also like the whole, like it was, it was, I don't know. Maybe it's just because like, I know how those animals are treated and not like I'm an animal yeah. rights advocate, but it was like, you know, there was clearly a reason why the the animal flipped out, and I mean, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was also very fucked up. 
I felt bad for the animals, like all the way through, like they're being fed to the giant hat. They're being like shot. Like I felt so sad for them. I had very, I had waning sympathy for the humans, I would say. Also, wait, the lady with the face. Oh, yeah. I thought she was the alien. Like in all the trailers, did we not all think that that was like going to be an alien? Oh, I didn't really watch the trailers much because I was like, oh, Jordan Peele movie. Not going to watch the trailers that much. Uh I wanted to be surprised. I remember when the first like teaser trailer for it came out. I mean, I guess, yeah, they had to have something that was like, yeah fucked up (laughs) i was like like when the first trailer came out i was like oh cool it's gonna be like a zombie movie yeah yeah which it it obviously was not but then you know during like watching the movie i was like wait so was this whole weird chimp subplot only so that i could justify this one fucked up looking person Uh, oh okay wait the weird obviously not the case but yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean it's all about like he thought that he could like tame this animal and then he thought like because he thought he could tame the alien because the chimp didn't kill him but really it's because he didn't make eye contact right like that's the that's it well but the fucked up woman was actually just a reference to i don't remember her name but i don't remember this like years ago there was a woman oh god got mauled off yeah so her friend this is real life yeah this woman like had a chimpanzee as a pet her friend came over the chimpanzee went nutso bananas literally ripped the woman's face off almost killed her and then she got like like crazy plastic surgery to try to get her face re- restru- like reconstructed and i think she, it was she appeared on oprah or one of those shows and she was dressed pretty much exactly the same as this woman was with like the hat with the veil so it was kind of like a reference to that see i'm just not <laughs> culturally aware enough to have known that at all. Like, I mean, I wouldn't. I just I clearly know. love fucked up things like people getting their face ripped off. It's not okay, but you know, th- this is my therapy hour is tomorrow. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Ramy. That's Robbie, and that's Rob, and this is I would never know a podcast. <laughs> We have a we have a special guest this episode. Rob is here with us today. And today we are talking about unions, specifically the alphabet union. And Sue, our special guest, Rob, why are you here? Who are you? What are you doing here? How'd you get here? Yeah. So I'm Rob. I am a software engineer at Google. I've been there for seven years, and I'm also a member of Alphabet Workers Union, which is the wall-to-wall union that we, we've been building at Google over the last couple of years. And I know Ramy's boss, and I'm going to get <laughs> Ramy to unionize her job and piss off my friend, and it's going to be fucking amazing. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's so- exactly it. 
Rob, <laughs> just to be clear, this is the Alphabet Workers Union, not the Alphabet Mafia. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just be so clear. I'm exhausted already. All right. <laughs> uh... So, uh, Rob, I'm curious to know, like, before we get into all the union stuff, so you're a software engineer at Google, Google being like a, a fairly large size business with a couple of different products. So what, what exactly do you do on your like day-to-day as a Google employee? Yeah, I work on... Well, I guess technically now I work on Google's news team, but that whole team lives inside of Google search for whatever reason. So I work on both Google search and the Google news app a little bit. And I still do like still doing engineering. I haven't like moved fully into management or anything like that, but you know, I've been there a while. So mostly doing the tech leading side of things these days. Very cool. So can you give us a brief overview of the union? I know it's new and that you had a part in sort of building it. Yeah. So I joined Google in 2015 and even I think even when I joined, certainly going back a bit before I joined and in the years leading up to Alphabet Workers Union, Alphabet Workers Union forming and going public, there was like a, I think a pretty strong culture of criticizing the company within the company already. Like things that I would not, that things that I'd never seen in a, in a previous job before, just like willingness for people to be like, mm, I don't think this is right. Or like, mm, I don't understand why we're building like, a seventh chat app, or mm, I don't know why we're doing this or that thing. And, and sometimes it would be the kind of more mundane things like that. But then there'd be things like, mm, I don't know if we should be trying to get these government contracts where we'll be, you know, helping the military build an AI, or mm, I don't know if this system where we have, you know, a class of full-time employees with all these great benefits, and then a bunch of like temps vendors and contractors who work for companies that we, you know, basically outsource these jobs to, and they don't have any of the same benefits as us, but still do work that is required for the company's products to succeed. I don't know that that's an ethical thing, right? So there was kind of always this interesting dynamic, I guess, inside of the company. And over the the last couple of years, I think things, because of multiple incidents kind of came to a head. I think the big the big two before Alphabet Workers Union went public would be in 2018, there was this large walkout of employees at Google offices across the world. Um, after, I believe it was the New York Times published a piece about Andy Rubin, who was, I think, an SVP at Google at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the, I guess, inventor of Android or you know the CEO of the company that built Android prior to Google's acquisition of it. And it turns out his like favorite activity is sexually harassing all the people mm-hmm. who work for yeah. him. Um, yeah. So like just really, really terrible, awful guy to work for. And he gets a severance package from the company that's like $90 million, you know, after, after they already knew that uh, about his conduct. Right. Mm-hmm. So this makes the news and rightfully so is, you know, like outrages the entire company, obviously. There were just like so many memes. I remember like the day of that was like, hey, you can give me $90 million and I won't sexually harass anyone. Like, I didn't know that that was a thing that we could do here. And so a bunch bunch of leaders, I think across the company, yeah, like staged, basically staged this walkout with like a couple of days notice. And I think we had like 20,000, 20,000, yeah, workers walk off the job. So that was like, I think the first major, um, kind of, yeah, first major worker, 
action that I'd seen you know, at the company or in my entire life, I think directly. Um, let me, let me yeah. pause you for a moment. Cause I have some questions. Mm-hmm. So I think the first question being, you said that, you know, leaders of the company staged the walkout. What do you mean by, you know? Leaders? Yeah. So I don't mean, I don't mean like VPs or SVPs or mm-hmm. anything like that. I mean, generally like highly respected individuals within the company who were not in like company leadership position, but who in high, yeah. like I would categorize as just like extremely influential people and able to get 20,000 people, you know, to walk mm-hmm. out the door. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, it's not like, you know, Sundar was like, oh, okay, we're all going to walk out of the office. But he did, and Google's management did really quickly try to co-opt it when we when we did take this action. Like there was a there was an email that went out from upper management that day that was basically like, you know, we understand that you're all upset, and you know, we're, you know, we hope that we can all reflect today on blah blah blah. And it's like, don't fucking like tell mm-hmm. us like we have your permission to walk out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, this, this is also just, it's like so typical. Like, oh we're actually part of this too, like sliding in there. But, and then also you had said previously that people had already sort of been chattering. Like, I don't know if we should be doing this. I don't know if we should be taking these government. I don't think we should be taking these government contracts. Had there been any sort of movement before that where people just talking to their other colleagues was, do you know if anyone had previously been like, trying to take any action. I think that that's another, I mean, that's a good segue into the, I think the second like boiling point event that happened, which was in Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving. I want to say 2019 Google fired five workers who were all pretty vocal about their opposition to particular government contracts. And in addition, you know, we're like, we're riling people up in in ways that like, I think was a little bit unprecedented, like getting people to consider taking like direct action more, like trying to confront the leaders of the project in the office, stuff like that. And so, yeah, a bunch of people got fired and the, the premise for them being dismissed was pretty flimsy in my opinion. Like I, if I recall correctly, it had something to do with like, oh, the, these individuals like accessed documents that were like confidential or, or highly privileged or whatever around whatever these projects were in in violation of our like data data access policies and around the same time like i think probably the day they got fired or the day after they got fired we got like everyone at the company got an email that was something like hey folks just here's a reminder on what our like data access policies are (laughs) like and it was like these were like what what are you talking about like we've never seen this before and they had fun you know, it was fun policies. Like a document can be need to know or confidential, but might not be marked that, but it is still that. And if, oh, you, wow. and if you access it, you don't have a privilege to it or based off of that level, like you can suffer disciplinary action. So, so somebody basically walked in, put a, like a poster up on the wall and was like, you maybe cannot look at this poster because you'll get fired if you look at it. But it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say that that's basically more or less what happened. I think I feel like it's kind of like what Trump is trying to do with these like fucking boxes at Mar-a-Lago right now where he's like, mm-hmm. well, the, the, the evidence was planted, but also it was declassified. I declassified it in my head. Um, <laughs> and that may not be written down anywhere, but that is the state of the document. So, okay. It's probably I, not right. the most fair comparison, but it, yeah. I'm going to put my boomer hat on for a minute. Mm-hmm. And so what, like, so you're telling me 
that Google gets these contracts that are totally legitimate contracts from the government. And that's going to pay them a bunch of money to do work that Google can do. And they're going to be able to pay their employees to do that. And Google employees are standing in the way, scare quotes, of them doing business. So why shouldn't they have been let go? Why should Google have been prevented from taking these contracts? I think, I mean, I think that there's, I think that there's a, a fair question here, but I would, I would separate the, like the notion of whether or not Google should be able to do, accept these contracts or take these contracts, which like, I, like I personally, I don't think I'm as invested in that fight as maybe some other members of Alphabet Workers Union or even others at Google are. But I think that the, the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way and rubbed a lot of other people the wrong way was the like, truly, I think, flimsy basis for why these people were dismissed and also the like lasting impact that that's had on like our ability to do our jobs to this day. Like it is much harder now, for instance, to like get access to documents for design docs or like looking up like how, oh, like someone else I knew like worked on this project, like, and I would like to read their, their doc to see how they solve it. Like everything is so much more locked down than it was in the last couple of years to the point where it like really negatively impacts my ability to do my job. And I think others ability to do their job. And I think that like the notion that they effectively, in my opinion, retroactively like created a policy and then used it to retroactively justify firing people instead of like actually being honest about what the reason was, which was like, well, they were pissing us off. So we fired them. Mm -hmm. I think that's what rubbed me the wrong way. And I think that that was the, like, that was the real, like, oh, we, anyone can kind of get fucked at any time under Apple employment, which is like, yeah, that's, that's true. But then it, for me, it's like, okay, well, I actually don't think Apple employment should be. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I also Good think point. that like, yeah. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, Some shady yeah. shit. Yeah. Did that answer your question, Boomer? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So Rob, you were at, I was, yeah, I was at Google. Yeah. <laughs> so I had, I had just gone. It was it was super weird because I'd been I hadn't been working for a couple months because I was on like a disability leave and basically like I got back on like Tuesday and then like on Thursday my buddy got fired for this and I was like oh, I was wow, like what yeah. the fuck is going on like what what has been happening while I've been out and it was yeah I mean it was just nuts it was not like something anyone had seen before or that I had seen before there it was like. You know, he got, he got walked out. No one really in our direct management chain knew about like really even knew what was going on. They took all of his shit like, and had to mail it to him. Like they didn't let him get any of the stuff at his desk. Yeah. Like a coworker was like, oh yeah, I just got a text from this person. Being like I just got fired. Can you please try and get my stuff from my desk or whatever? So like these two, th these things happen. And then a couple of other, I end up seeing a couple of other things during my, my time at Google that really starts to give me like some institutional distrust about the company, specifically like ways that I'll make, take a concrete example, a coworker of mine being sexually harassed and HR's like complete inability to actually do anything meaningful yeah. with it in a, in a yeah. meaningful timeframe. Just being like, Oh, okay. Like I'm seeing the company like on in, in some ways that I ethically disagree with like maybe what the products that they're trying to build. And then also like concretely, like how my friends at work are being treated in situations where like, you know, like they should be getting support from the company and just definitively are not being like, this is, this doesn't work. Like the way that this is set up doesn't work. I don't trust the, the institution as it exists right now. 
there needs to be like, there needs to be more of our own voice here and how things are run and how we decide to do things and, and how we take care of each other. Was there, was there other things going on at the time in terms of like summer of 2020 with George Floyd and so there were some other sort of social yeah, yeah. issues also, right? Yeah, totally. I remember when, and th- this is, this is a good segue. This is like, this really ends up leading into my involvement with the group that forms, forms AWU. So George Floyd is murdered and there's a lot of chatter inside of the company, obviously around, you know, what is, what is a like happening in this country and be like, how can we help? And one of the more, like the easiest things for us to jump for at the time was like, we have a pretty generous, sorry, generous gift matching policy where it's like, oh, okay, if you like, if you donate, X amount of dollars to, uh, you know, some nonprofit, the company will match it up to, I, I think they'll match a hundred percent up to some, some large number of total, total dollars a year. And so me, and like, I see a, a handful of other people end up doing this too, are like, okay, well, like, wait, I can, you know, I can donate money and get it matched, but I can also like tell my friends that this match is happening and like, be like, Hey, if you give me your money to donate, I will donate it on your behalf. And then I can also get this, this money matched for you, right? Just to try and, you know, generate funds to be able to try and do something in the wake of the situation. And I'm assuming that the company got wind that multiple people were doing this because I I remember, I think it was that week, there was an email that went out that was like, hey, just a reminder folks on our gift match policy, you're not allowed to do like exactly what a bunch of us were doing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, look, like that's like, to be fair, like, fine, I understand that. But it's like, now it's not the time or the fucking place. Like, like this, this yeah. horrendous thing has happened. There are a bunch of people who are, who are trying to do good and trying to like actually make a difference with their money. And like to, to do it in this, like, but to do it in this moment of, I think reckoning and also still try to be like, Hey, we're Google, like a cool company that like cares yeah. about issues. It's like, what, like, are you like, I think the hypocrisy was just like, it was palpable. So I think I, if I remember correctly, they ultimately were like, yo, yikes are bad. Probably not a great time to send an email like that. We'll kind of look the other way for now. But a lot of, a lot of people were, you know, I think right, rightfully so after that, you know, after George Floyd was killed, trying to figure out like, okay, well, what else can we do? Like what else, how, how's, how's Google contribute to the the problems with racial disparity in this country? How do we see race play out in the workplace? Like what can we do and where can we talk about this? And a, there had been, someone had made like an offline forum where it was like, oh, okay, if you sign up with your Google, like corporate Google email address, you get, you get access to it. And so people, so I signed up and, you know, there are like a lot of great threads talking about different things at Google and going on in the country and like ways to help. And I ended up getting an email from someone who ran the, I guess the message board being like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I saw you posting. It seems like you care. Like we'd love to call you and just reach out and like get your ideas on, on like, you know, all this stuff. And, and how you're doing too. Cause it was like, I think that we were like kind of in that first COVID summer at that point too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just like, Hey, how are you doing? Checking in email. So I take that call and I end up being on the call for like an hour and a half. And at some point you know, I get riled up to the point where I'm like, yeah, it would be great if, you know, we have like a union or something. And uh-huh. the, the person on the other end of the line is like, bingo, you said the magic word. Okay, you, said so. the, you said the yeah. password, the passcode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You said it. Yeah. Mm-hmm streamers fall from the ceiling horns go off <laughs> yeah 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 it's 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 like yeah yeah you won this prize and now you get to do a second job for the next two years right. yeah so so then i yeah i started talking with the other people who were 
doing the, yeah, the very first seeds of that organizing. And then, yeah, we just kept taking it from there. But yeah, so that's how I got involved. What? So first of all, you're calling it a second job. So I assume there's a lot of work that went into it. So like, what was the work? What was your work specifically? If you'd like to talk about it, like, how do you build a union? Yeah. You know, give us our step-by-step guide so that the listeners can emulate. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, really the work, it was, I I can't stress enough how, how strange an environment this was because it's like, okay. So it's like during the height of COVID, like I'm living in a one bedroom apartment with my girlfriend in Brooklyn, (laughs) I'm working my job remotely. I'm also taking like secret union meetings remotely. Like all this is happening within like 300 square feet. And I'm like, what? has my life even become, I'm so confused about like, every single day that that passes. Now. Oh gosh. Um, mm-hmm. But so at the beginning it was like, that was the weirdest thing was, it was like the, the group of people who were doing this initial organizing was like completely disjoint from the group of people who I actually work with day to day. So in the very beginning, there was just like a lot of like building relationships with people I'd never met before on these zoom mm-hmm. calls, basically around this idea of like, well, we should have more of a say in our workplace. But I think that that's, pretty i think that's pretty different from how most of i would probably see the vast majority of unions do get spun up which is like co-workers talking with the people that they actually work with every day right and and having common complaints and having common issues and and realizing like oh okay there's kind of a, a common enemy here who's who's causing this pain in our lives and and deciding they want to do something about it but you know google's a massive massive company and there are obviously people all across this massive company who had this idea at one, you know, at the same time, but didn't really know each other, or whatever. So the, the, I guess, great thing about that time was that like being home and working remote, like really did allow for this opportunity to hop on zoom calls at kind of any hour of the day and talk about this stuff with these people across different time zones and figure out like, okay, what is it, what does it mean to do this virtually? How do we build power? How do we build more people into bring more people into this? And and where do we go once we, you know, where we go from here, right? So the first I joined in, yeah, summer 2020. And the next six months were like, honestly, pretty slow. Like, or I don't know about slow, but it was like, a lot of us getting our bearings. Like none of us had really done this before. None of us had worked a union job before. I think even if you have worked a union job before, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like active in your union. So really being like, how do we, how do we build this thing? So like, really, the first couple of months were like, doing like going through some kind of basic trainings with CWA. So that's communication workers of America. That's like our parent union and just learning like, Hey, how to have these conversations with your coworker, like how to talk about issues on the job, how to like, how to get them to like open up and like, like actually tell you how they're really feeling or what's really going on. And like, you know, try and try and show them that like, Hey, there's actually a thing that we could do about this. If we, if we wanted to take that step. Um, but this is all happening virtually. And so I'm like, you know, during the day being like trying to suss out, Hey, which mm-hmm. of my coworkers are like really cool. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll be like, Hey, like, Hey, yo, are you willing to like, give me your number on signal for something? Like, I mm-hmm. swear it's not sketchy. Um, cause that was the big thing too. Like we didn't yeah. want to, we didn't want to like kind of show our cards before we had to, that this was a thing that was going on. So it was a lot of like, how do we get, how do we move people off of like corporate Google chat onto like this side, these side conversations somewhat sketchily. And tell them what we're doing and then try and, you know, show them that we think that this is a good idea for us to do. Um, do you have any tips and tricks for sussing out if your coworkers are like down? Like, are I, they chill? <laughs> I 
think, well, okay. So I think that I'll say this. I think that that strategy mm-hmm. is like, I wouldn't even say necessarily the best one because mm-hmm. I think like in my mind, at least, or I think like, if I go back to that time, my, my mental strategy was like, Hmm, who are the cool people posting lefty memes on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> like outside of work? Those are people, those are the people I'm going to talk to, but that's mm-hmm. like, that's not necessarily the like group, the group of people, right? Like yeah. it, for a union to be successful, everyone needs to be in it. Like, yes. it's not, you can't just be this like small group of people with like a certain political identity. That's not, that's not what a union is. Right. Yeah. R- really. It's just about like figuring out what your friends and coworkers are frustrated about and like figuring out like, Hey, are these, are these issues, issues that like, if we had more power in the workplace, we could resolve ourselves and that mm-hmm. we could resolve together. And, and talking about what that would look like and, and the things that you'd be able to do, that is really, that is really it. Honestly, like a, a union, frankly, it's just like a bunch of coworkers who trust each other and are trying to work together to make their workplace a better place. And like, mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be something that is bound up in a kind of political ideology, but yeah, the answer to all of it. And frankly, like all of the, like all of the, all of the union organizing training really just boils down to, well, talk to your fucking coworkers, <laughs> talk to them, like see what's going on, check in with them, mm-hmm. be a, you know, be a real human and, and take an interest in what is and isn't going well for them. Was there a point in time where you, I don't know, felt like, oof, maybe I should not be talking about this to the specific coworker or where it was like scary kind of, cause you're basically recruiting for something that you want to keep secret. Yeah. I don't think I, I, I was never, I was never worried about like someone spilling the beans. I, I think that maybe, maybe it's, maybe this wasn't the case for other people, but I, I certainly benefited in this time from the fact that I'd already been at the company for a few years and had yeah. good relationships with the people I worked with. So like, if I was having these conversations during this time, it was with people who I like really trusted and knew that even if they were like, mm, I'm not down with this, that they're not going to be like, dear Sundar Pichai. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. So but I guess at like, what point did your, I mean, and maybe we're going forward a little bit at what point yeah. there had, I'm sure there was a conversation where your boss was like, so you're doing this union thing. At the converse, that conversation happened the day, the day we went public and we had a, we had a piece in the New York times about it. And I just, I was on vacation actually, but I, <laughs> I texted him. I was like, Hey, so there's this thing. I kind of helped do it. <laughs> like, I think his, he was like, <laughs> he was like, okay, thanks for letting me know. Like thumbs up emoji. It's like, cool. I guess that's, but my, my boss is cooler than most bosses, I guess. Do you feel so like it, were a lot of the people who were organizing, were they like individual contributors opposed to yeah. managers? Yeah. Yeah. The, the majority, definitely. Yeah. There are, there are managers in AWU, mm-hmm. but I think, I think at that time, probably, probably the majority were, were ICs. We're over, we're over a thousand members now, but when we went public, I think we were like just around 200 and it's not a lot of people in the, in the scheme of the company's biggest Google, right? No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So take us back step one to building a union, suss out your coworkers, get people involved. Step two keep doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I think it like, yeah, I mean, I think, right. Like I said, it's about bringing more and more people in, but then as you, as you have more people, 
like there, there's just more that you can do, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the, the amount of work that we're able to take on with a thousand members is, is so different than the amount of work that we were able to take on when we we're like 50 people. Right. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we're at, we're at the size where like we can have multiple issue campaigns that we're running at a single time and, and trying to make inroads on, on all of them. But it's still, I think at the end of the day, there's still fundamental work that, that always needs to happen, which is like having, having, figuring out how to have these conversations, how to get people to open up about the workplace, like how to get people to be willing to take a risk because like it is, it is risky, even though like, you know, protected concerted mm-hmm. activity is a thing like companies break the law all the time. Right. So mm-hmm. like, you're still, you're still telling, like, you're still asking someone to take a risk if, if they're going to join with you in the work. And then like, I mean, we can get into like, and like deeper, like labor strategy around like, what does it mean to go for like a, like a contract campaign? We have not run any contract campaigns for, uh, like software engineers, PMs, PGMs inside of AWU. Um, but we have run contract campaigns in other job functions. So like in Kansas city, Missouri, uh, we, we ran a contract campaign for the Google fiber workers who won their campaign and are the first, uh, the first unit inside of AWU seeking a contract. So like there's, I guess there's a lot we could talk about. Can you explain um, what that means? Yeah. 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 So, so in the United States, there's a, uh, part of the government called the National Labor Relations Board. And under the NLRB, you are able to file for an, a union election in your workplace. So what does that mean? Say you are a tech worker at the New York Times and you want to you want to engage in collective bargaining with your company. So you no longer want to be like, okay, here's your contract, you sign it, like that's that's it. But like you actually want to be able to negotiate the terms of it and and fight for like what your pay will be, you know, pay transparency, the benefits that you get. Um, so you can file for this election. And basically what would happen is there's some definition around what your bargaining unit would be. And we could talk a little bit more about that and how companies try to kind of fuck with that part of the process to, to better their odds of winning the election and preventing the union from actually winning and happening. But you, you file for this election, everyone in the bargaining unit gets a ballot, they say, yes, I do want to be a part of the union or no, I don't want to be part of the union. If you get 50% plus one of the vote, then your union wins. And the company is now compelled to engage in collective bargaining with you legally. What I didn't mention is if the company wants to, they can voluntarily recognize, but most companies are not (laughs) going to do that. Even a company like the New York times, where I think, Mm -hmm. I think the, the folks in the times tech guild were frankly surprised because it's already a unionized workplace, right? That whole newsroom is already a, like is already unionized under the the writers guild mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but uh or sorry news guild rather not writers guild but they they were still like nope and then i believe had an op-ed around like like here's why a union doesn't make sense at the new york times tech department yeah or something or something like that like it, it, like that was happening in in conjunction with like the mm-hmm. newsroom being like historic first contract campaign for a new york times tech worker so it was just crazy and it's yeah. like I mean, the funny thing is, is like the playbook, the playbook is the same everywhere. The, the stuff that management says to try and prevent workers from unionizing is the same everywhere. And they'll do it even if they're the New York Times, right? Like this, this, mm-hmm. this institution that's supposed to be a bastion of like, you know, yeah. liberal. And it's like, no, nah, you're still trying to make money at the end of the day. And you're, you're still going to try to extract, like extract as much as you can from the people who work for you. Of so, course. yeah. Well, let me ask you before we move on that. 
you do have to do like a bunch of legal stuff and whatnot, right? To form a union, like you hired a company for that, like not you specifically, but the so you, union. Yeah, so we we chose to partner with Communication Workers of America, which is a mm-hmm. which is a national union in the United States. Who like under under CWA are a bunch of unions. Like I think all the American flight attendants. That is a, a child union of CWA. The News Guild, which is the is the union for a lot of journalists is under CWA. So we partnered with them through this initiative that they had started called Code CWA, which is Campaign to Organize Digital Employees. So mm-hmm. my understanding is a couple of years ago, the, the kind of broader membership of CWA recognized the the fact that, hey, the tech the tech sector is not unionized. This is, you know, a, an area of the economy that is like rife for exploitation on behalf of, of employers. And no one's really doing the work to try and build up like union density in the sector. So mm-hmm. they they basically spun up this this campaign to to you know find tech workers who'd be interested in, in in unionizing their workplaces, hired staff to support that effort. And I don't remember or don't I wasn't around when like the the connection was actually made between the Googlers and Code CWA, but like you know, they were they were kind of there for us from the the beginning of this, being like, hey, here's like we'll help you do these trainings and we'll we'll spend time with you on Zoom calls and we'll like help you work through the issues in your workplace and figure out how to talk to people about this. And we were like, well, yeah, this makes sense. Like we wanna we wanna stick with you guys when we did it. And obviously, yeah, they have like a ton of legal staff that works works for them, but you don't need to you don't need to go that route. Like taking, for example, like the Amazon Labor Union, which is the the union that is working right now to, you know, unionize all the Amazon warehouses. That is a like com- that is completely independent of any like bigger national union in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yes. Okay. So take us to the day where it was announced. Anything, <laughs> anything besides your manager being chill about it that you want to talk about? It was like, well, I think we were, I mean, we were like nervous and excited, certainly leading up to it. I was like, yeah, like so leading up to it there was like i think quite a bit of i mean yeah nervous excitement but also the like okay like this is happening right like we can't put the cat back in the bag once this is done but we had also gotten to the point where we were like you know we're 200 people the the risk of this coming out not on our own terms is getting increasingly high like the more people you bring in and like i I think what was not intuitive to me at the time but is now is that the frankly, the most dangerous time to be doing the organizing work was that time in terms of like risk to our job, because for all intents and purposes, like the, the, there is no union yet. Right. Or yeah. not, not that there's not a union yet, but there's not a public union yet. and working under an at will contract in any of the States in the U S where, where employment is at will, you know, I could, I could be fired under whatever pretense that Google wants. And I can't be like, Oh, well, I got actually fired because of this union thing that we're trying to do. And that's like protected activity under the law. And like, that's, you know, there's a, there's an unfair labor practice there because Google could be like, what union? And if we're not public Mm -hmm. yet, like, yeah, that argument's going to, that argument's going to stand. Right. So it was really like, we want to get this out so that we can be more public with what we're doing, have additional protection from retaliation. And, you know, also like we're still in the middle of COVID. It's still hard to like talk to people, frankly, like being like, okay, if we're public, there are going to be people who are going to join. And just like we're not within our net, like yeah. network graph that we have been able to reach at, right? And we grew very quickly after that. I think like we we doubled in size pretty quickly after we went public. 
So and, yeah, I would actually, I'm actually surprised that it's, you said a thousand people right now. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's not more. I would have thought that a lot of people would just sort of jump into the union. I think it's, yeah. I mean, I think that there's, I think that this goes back to what I said a little bit earlier, right? Like, I think that there's mm-hmm. probably a kind of person who's primed to, to be like, this is a good idea. And this is a thing I'm going to do. Right. And I think that when we went public, it kind of grew rapidly. I think a lot more of that group of people who already worked at Google were like, yep, I'm in, but I'm, it, you know, I think it takes time to get to the rest of everybody. Right. Cause Google's not a, it's not a homogenous company in terms of like mm-hmm. ideology or, you know, like personal circumstance or anything like that. And I think frankly, in a sector that is, you know, we, software engineers make a lot of money getting, getting people who make a lot of money and feel comfortable with the benefits of their job. You know, it's not necessarily like a, a shoe in, right. Or it's not, it's not an obvious thing. I think yeah. now, granted, we have seen way more members join who come from the, you know, the background of being a temp, a vendor or contractor. And I think that is like one of the most important things for us to do, given how kind of precarious their working situations are. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. I believe Google's public stance is that any temp vendor or contractor um, who's employed by one of the companies that we work with needs to make a minimum of $15 an hour. Right. And just like the facts do not bear out that way. Like I've met more than one TVC who makes $10 an hour has no idea when their pay is ever going to be increased, despite the fact that this has been the policy. Right. So when you add all these layers of like, frankly, bureaucratic bullshit and just indirection into like, who's actually my boss, who employs me, who pays my paycheck. Like, yeah, Google can look amazing and be like, actually, everyone makes a minimum of $15 an hour. But like, Mm -hmm. who's enforcing that? Like the company clearly isn't because I know people who don't make $15 an hour. Right. And, and when you work in an environment like that, and when you're, you know, yeah, like you don't know, you don't have great benefits or you're working multiple jobs because you can't like pay, you know, for your, for your bare necessities with only one of these jobs, then the, then it's like, yeah, okay. Those people understand like why a union might benefit them, right? Like getting, fighting for that, those kind of, I, I guess I would say classic, like why I need a union issues. Like it becomes more obvious, but I also think that there's like, you know, software engineering salaries are great now. That's mm-hmm. not a guarantee, right? Like that, yeah. that is, that is a reflection of just like the current state of our economy, but like all of us are replaceable. Like, I yeah. don't know if either of you have done like, or seen any of like the, you know, VS code, like integrations where it's like, oh, here's this machine learning library that will help guess the the next line of code that you're trying to write, whatever, just plug in. I have had people reach out to me being like, we're building no code platforms. Do you want to build that? And I'm like, do so, I want to build the thing that's going to take away my job? Every time I list an opening, I get sales calls from those companies that are like, hey, don't hire a person, pay us instead so that we can just automate their job. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. No. And yeah. we were talking about basically corporate campuses and company towns and how eventually all of these corporations in some way or another, like died down, died out something. And all of these like towns that were built to house all of the workers no longer exist. And I'm just saying that this is a natural cycle of an industry is booming. All these workers are needed to do this thing. And eventually that's not the case anymore. And that's the cycle of industries. So just, yeah. just a, you know, shout out to that. And well, like, 
it, it's some interesting awareness. because what you're saying, Ramy, is that, and and Rob, if I'm hearing this right, is that like when things are good is the best time to mm-hmm. unionize because obviously by the time things are bad, it's too late. Google's already been around for quite some time. It's a large company. When we look at like smaller startups, smaller companies, you know, I'm I'm curious, Rob, looking back at this whole process, when is the right time, youth, in your opinion, for a union to start or for employees to start discovering whether or not a union is right for them? That's a great question. I I want to like I want to be honest and like I don't know, <laughs> like, but I think that like if like. I would say sooner rather than later, like, frankly, like, like if, if you want to look at it as a purely numbers game and like, I don't want to, but like, it's easier to get 50% of 10 people than it is 50% mm-hmm. of 20,000 people. Right. Yeah. And I just think like, I mean, what has been fun to see and like really awesome to see, but like also a little bit like, Oh my gosh, is like since AWU went public, there've been numerous other, union efforts under code CWA who've also gone public and are now in like, to some extent have progressed further than we have in, in some of the, in some meaningful ways, right? Like I said, New York times tech workers are going for a contract right now and they're going to be one of the first, you know, sets of tech workers to really, yeah, craft what, uh, what is it? What is a software engineering contract that's collectively bargained by a union? What does that look like? And then what, what can that do for others in the industry? Right? Like, what template does that leave for us to to push forward? Right. So it's just, I, I don't, what I, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's, it's funny because we've been doing this for so long and it's like these being able to see these other groups now kind of surpass us. Like, I'm like, Oh, okay. I now need to go learn from the folks who like, I was teaching how to do this first step a couple of years ago. Right. But I, yeah, I mean, I, it's like you said, right. Like, I th- like things are good now for many people who work in tech. Things are also bad now for many people who work in tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I don't think it's ever too soon to, to start having that conversation. If, you know, really just thinking about like a union is, is really about building democracy in the workplace. Like I'm a fan of democracy. I kind of think we should. All. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I guess that would be myself. What do you think? So like, I mean, slowly but surely you know more and more tech workers are unionizing all of this is happening i know you said that the new york times will sort of be maybe a blueprint but generally you know what do you think like the tech workers are asking for overall like taking it away from google for a moment i mean i can tell you things that i would like to see Mm -hmm. ultimately right this is gonna end up being i mean somewhat specific to individual workplaces as they, you know, if, if, as they bargain their contracts and if, if they choose for that to be the, the model of their organizing and not like truly just really being like, okay, well, like there's however many of us and we will all walk off the job at any time. Right. But I think that like, I think it's all all the issues that we see in the industry writ large, right? Like there's a huge, there's still a huge diversity, equity and inclusion problem across tech. Like, and I have not seen, I've not been very impressed by any of the like solutions that I've seen companies themselves try to put in play, right? Like it's, it, it always feels so like, frankly, like elementary and like rudimentary, like relative to like anything I know, or like anything I hear from people who are like subject matter experts in it. It's like the conversation is so, so far behind where it needs to be to actually meaningfully change things. So I think like trying to make a 
big dent in in that space is something that I would hope us to see. Hope for us to see. Like I will give you an example of Google's I my understanding is that they're like Google is investing a lot in the greater Atlanta area over the next couple of years for jobs. And obviously that is an area that is historically like has a larger black population than mm-hmm. many other parts of the United States, certainly more so than Silicon Valley. But Google's also not like paying flat salary bands across the board, regardless of where you live, right? Like Atlanta is not yeah. in the higher salary band. Atlanta is in a lower salary band than, than the Bay area. Right. So like mm-hmm. if we want to talk about, you know, the disparities in, in wealth across the country, like, well, here's an example of a company that sure as shit has the money to pay more to those folks. But like, that community is going to be making less than software engineers in New York or San Francisco. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing that I would love to see. I would love to see changes to pay transparency. I'd be very curious to see like what and how software engineers could bargain around, like what the interview process is even like, Mm -hmm. like I think the style interviewing process is, is the fucking worst. And I think, I also think it is in some ways, like I think it keeps people in jobs that they don't want to stay in because they don't Mm -hmm. want to fucking train themselves to re-interview, right? Yeah. So that's something interesting, Um, you know, over time for being on call over the weekends, right? Oh gosh, that's huge. Oh my gosh. So, Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I yeah, I mean, these are just a handful of things, right? But like, really, I would just say is like how, like, think about like, okay, what are we, what are we building? What is the, you know, whose wealth are we creating? Like, and are we getting the fair share of it? And like, how, how can we put ourselves in a position where we're benefiting more from the work that we're doing? I just say like, I have never understood this idea of tiered compensation based on your location. It yeah, has never made it d- any fucking sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's like, I mean, if and it, you live yeah. in Wisconsin, you can make as much money for the company as if you're living in New York. It's not like the, the water in New York has something special in it that makes, <laughs> maybe it makes the bagels better. It doesn't make the workers better. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I totally agree. And I think that like, I think it's been especially frustrating to see with, you know, with COVID happening and companies that traditionally did not have a hybrid model, like, there were exceptions, I think, at Google with people working remotely, but it certainly wasn't as normal three years ago as it is now. And yeah, it's like it's really frustrating for people to move and then realize that they're going to take a huge pay cut to do the same work. Um, because yeah, you're right; it's it's bullshit. It has the 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 physical location in which you're sitting has nothing to do with the work that you're doing, or at least in this in this industry where like we're all just fucking like SSHing into some computer in a data center somewhere, right? So yeah. Yes, infuriating. So could you give us an example of what working for the union and be, doing the work for a union is like day to day? What what kind of work are you doing? What's taking up your time? Yeah, I mean there's there are, there are a bunch of different things to to be done, frankly. Like I mean, I so for the first for the first year after we were public, like I was like New York's chapter coordinator. So this was just like an, like based off of the articles that we drew up initially, like there are a couple of elected positions throughout the union. So I was like basically responsible for New York's chapter and trying to help, help grow it, increase awareness of AWU in New York, kind of build up the skills of, of other members of AWU, help, helping them have conversations with their coworkers. Right. So this would be things like just getting people, getting people in rooms together, both on Zoom and then like when it was safe in person, doing role plays of like organizing conversations, working through concretely like 
oh, you said that you were talking to this person and they had this hang up or they've got this thing in the workplace. Like, let's work through that together. Like, let's figure out like what we think that we could, how we could talk to them and how we could further, you know, agitate them and then, you know, try and bring them into the fold. Right. So a lot of stuff like that. I think that there was like a lot of, I mean, frankly, just like figuring out how, like what this thing even is. Like, I think there was a lot of like, how do we do a union <laughs> that like, took up like time because like, yeah, we didn't really know what we were doing. How did you figure that out? Did you Google it? So much trial and error, so much trial and error. I just had a lot of fucking zoom calls, honestly. <laughs> like, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm so, I am really grateful that like COVID is, you know, well, I mean, it's still here and I think we'll be here forever, but to the point, like when we were able to finally see each other in person and like everyone in New York had been doing these zoom calls, we're finally able to like get together, like in a park and see each other for the first time. I was like, this is the happiest I've been in so long. Cause I've just been like seeing you on zoom at weird hours all the time. And you're like a real person and you also want to do this thing. And you brought a bunch of beers to the park and it's only $25 and you get caught drinking. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. So, so I think that there's like so much of that. And then like, I mean, frankly, there was like some really like, I don't know. I guess there's so much different work that like there are folks who are like figuring out like what platforms are we going to use to even talk to each other? Like, like does Slack make sense? Should we use discord? Like, what do we, like, what do we do in a world where like, we're trying to unionize Google and all of the best, like, or all these products are like Google products. Like, do we want to use Google docs? What alternative is there? So there's like that rudimentary stuff, which was like crazy. And then as we got bigger, there's also like, so specific issue campaigns. So like, I think that, you know, and, and Rami, we were saying that we wanted to talk about some of the campaigns that we're doing right now. I'll say for the last two months, I think a lot of the work that I've been doing within AWU Soap has been around, around this caste, caste discrimination mm-hmm. issue in, in the tech sector and, and helping drive awareness of it at Google and trying to, you know, trying to push for, for better protections for folks who are being discriminated against. Mm-hmm. So where we're at right now, I think much more of my work is, is around strategizing around that and figuring out how we're going to improve that situation. Yeah. Hopefully that makes and sense. I don't know. It's like a job. <laughs> that, <laughs> no, that absolutely makes sense. And for the listeners, we will dive very deep into the cast issue in the next episode. I have a quick follow-up question for that. So running the, the, the union is a job, essentially. It's, it's a, another job in and of itself. The union does collect fees, dues from the members, right? Yeah. So we all, we all pay 1% of our annual comp as, as dues to, to AWU. Yeah. And then is there any compensation that you and the other leaders get for the work and the time that you put into organizing the union? Well, so I think that, I guess I would take a step back as much as I've joked about AWU being a job. It's like certainly not my job, but where we've, where we've certainly benefited from is like the ability to hire full-time staff that only works on our campaign, because like it is, there's a lot of work to be done and it's really hard yeah. for people with full-time jobs to do it. So having staff who've like worked in and been doing organizing for a lot of their professional careers has certainly helped us take off, like reduce the load and also like make it so that the work we're doing is actually meaningful and not like, you know, not us spinning our wheels because we don't know what we're doing. Right. But also I think that like, it is part of the trying to bring more people in is like trying to share that load a little bit more, right? Like it is, it's really easy for people to, and I feel like this is, you know, I feel like a good analogy for this is like the way that I've been at times a shitty mentor as a software engineer being like, Oh, it would be faster if I just did it myself. And it's like, well, that's a one way 
trip to burnout, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same thing with organizing. It's like teaching people as you're doing the work, bringing them up, showing them how to um, be, be involved in their union as an active member. Like that reduces the workload for everyone and makes it so that we can have, you know, more sustainable organizing and more concrete wins because we're not tired all the time. But it is, you know, it is, it is a lot of work. I've not <laughs> inquired about like getting some of my dues back additionally as an exchange for it. But my, you know, I guess the belief is that this will pay dividends in the future. So yeah, I love that. And there you go. Unionizing creates jobs. It's great. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would also assume that you yourself have more work than someone else in the union. You said you're the New York organizer. Is that right? I, I was... So for a year, I was the organizing chair for New York. I, so that I, my term ran up and now I'm just focused on, you know, I'm focused more on a couple of issue campaigns and then also like my immediate team and like our, our union density there. But I mean, it's like, you know, what's, what's different from a job is that like, yeah, no one's going to make you do the work, right? Like mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who are members of AWU and are just paying dues and, and not doing anything. And like, that's fine. Like it's, we're better off when more people are doing the work, obviously for a lot of reasons, but like, there are plenty of people who do that. And honestly, that's like helping us build this thing is better than not helping us build this thing in my mind. But it's also like, I have had several times where I'm like, you know what, there's too much going on either in my personal life or in my work life, or I'm just like, so burnt out across the board that like, I can't do anything right now. And I mean, the, the amount of support that's come in from folks within AWU to be like, take the time you need, do not come back until you're not burnt out, please. Like, I do not want to see you like at any of these meetings <laughs> for the next month is, is really great. And it, that's like, you know, that's palpably different than any job I've ever had. Like you don't get to just do that. Usually you don't get to just not be burnt out. Yeah. 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 I feel that. What? So, okay. Could you explain to me how it's organized then? So there's a like regional leader of some kind that switches over yearly. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I, so, all right, I'll, I'll paint broad strokes for you. Some of this mm -hmm. might be outdated because we had an assembly recently. So we have, there's an executive council, which is a handful of folks who are, th those are elected positions, mm -hmm. uh, like an executive chair, a recording chair, a communications chair, et cetera. And they're, they have terms that they, they run on, I think twice a year, we have an assembly. So it's this like democratic body that people people also run for it's like a it's like a full weekend long and basically a bunch of like amendments to our articles are taken up so this is like the constitution of our union except like mm -hmm. much better than the united states constitution <laughs> um and 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 that group votes on basically like yeah direction that we want to take things and strategic things and organizational things but basically like that's one of the primary democratic opportunities for for rank and file members to to have their voice heard and and change the direction as they want it to. And then, so we have that a couple times a year. And then, you know, we we're broken down across a bunch of different axes, many that overlap, you know, there are a bunch of different Google offices across the U S so like having people in the office in the same office, like know each other and talk to each other and being able to convene with each other is a useful thing. Similarly, like people who work on similar projects or similar parts of the company, we have, you know, forms for them to get in touch with each other and, and be in regular contact. But I think that like the, to be perfectly honest, like those, those are like tools for us to use, but not necessarily like, I wouldn't say that they're super critical to like the way that we do our work, right? Like our, the way, like the thing that matters is people like 
putting up a fight <laughs> in the workplace yeah. and being, being willing to be like, I don't think that this is okay. Or I think we should do this differently. And, and a bunch of people being willing to step up and do that with them. Right. So like, yeah, there are like some concrete ways in which we're organized, but I wouldn't say that like, it's like super critical to the, to the day-to-day reality of being someone who's organizing. Right. Like I, I think I'm doing a lot for, for AW personally in my own capacity, but it's not because I'm like, in an elected position or, or anything like that right now, it's just like, I just want to see the product, like the project succeed. And I think that that's like true of many of the people who are really involved. That makes sense. Oh, it makes complete sense. Yeah. So I think we're going to have to wrap up this episode pretty soon. We'll talk to you again. Well, for us, it'll be right now, but for the <laughs> listeners, it'll be in a week, <laughs> but okay. I have a, a, like a ending question for this episode. Do you think that unionizing will take away your snacks? No fucking way. No way. <laughs> no way. And and if you, I'll, I'll tell you this: most of the cafeteria workers, many of the cafeteria workers at Google, unionized, all unionized, and make yeah. they make amazing yes. fucking food. Yeah. yeah, good union jobs. So yeah, no, there's going to be way more snacks when this is over. You think so? Way more snacks. Yeah part of my understanding of why we have all these perks is to have like prevented any sort of union unionization right keep the workers happy and distracted that no. didn't work <laughs> <laughs> okay all right, well, well we're ending the the episode is ending it's over good night good night may i be blunt with you If you'd like to write in with any questions you'd like to have answered, topics you'd like covered, or other general nonsense, send Ramey and I an email at IWouldNeverKnowPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Are we doing this again? Oh, we're going to do this again. Are you sure? Oh, and then we're going to do it again and 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 again and